What's up, everyone? Welcome to History Lab with Cassidy and Marina. This is our very first podcast, and keep in mind we're shouting out with a very serious topic, anti-Semitism and propaganda in Nazi Germany. Yeah. And even though it's a serious subject, it's important to bring awareness to our not-so-pretty past and understand how to prevent it from happening ever again. Okay, Cassidy. Lovely introduction. As you know, our podcast is about answering an essential question regarding a topic in history, and today's question we're answering today is... What role do economic systems and ideologies have in establishing and maintaining power and authority? Seems like enough introduction to me. We should get into it now. Well, before we really get into it, how are you? Oh, I'm doing good. How are you? Oh my gosh. Are you ready to talk about Nazi Germany? I'm pretty good and definitely. We love the enthusiasm. (laughs) Again, please remember how serious this topic is and understand that this is stuff that real people had to go through. Definitely. So Cassidy, which topic would you like to start with? We've got Nazi Germany, anti-Semitism, or indoctrinating youth. How about anti-Semitism? Ah, yes, anti-Semitism. Lovely topic, and unfortunately a very big part of Nazi Germany. But I'll let you take it away with this one, considering you're the expert on this subject. Well, I wouldn't say an expert, per se. Mm, no, I think that the three paragraphs of research beg to differ. Okay, okay, let's get started. Well, mm-hmm. I should probably start out with one of the main reasons anti-Semitism ever started, Hitler and the Nazis. The propaganda was created by them and was taken into action eventually, and taken into action in very violent ways, per se. And the Jews were mass murdered and discriminated against for pretty much no reason. Yeah, they, like, existed. He was like, mm, no. Yeah, they're like, you don't exist anymore. Yeah, so was there, like, any particular reason why Hitler and the Nazis decided to target this specific group of people? Well, in 1879, Wilhelm Marr created the term anti-Semitism and kind of defined it, per se, as the hatred of Jews. And there were pogroms started by the German government and violent riots launched against them, all of this fun stuff. And at the same time, stereotypes were put on Jews, and the Nazis characterized them as being confused in culture and being consumed by sex and money and all that lovely stuff. There was, like, heavy quotations around that, by the way. So, you yes, know, very heavy. Very heavy quotations. And I'm going to make some historical connections right now, which is, like, really big-brained of me, but yeah. stereotypes definitely seem to be a trend in spreading hate among certain groups of people, which we can see, I mean, even now with, like, you know, all these movements regarding people of color and mm-hmm. Asian people and even LGBTQ people, so. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm such a good history student. <laughs> okay, so we've got pogroms, riots, and stereotypes. Is there anything else you care to share? Oh. Speaking of pogroms, have you heard of the Kristallnacht, or more commonly known, the Night of Broken Glass? Well, I've definitely heard of it, but I, I haven't gotten too deep into it. So please, oh expert of mine, enlighten me on Kristallnacht. <laughs> sure. Kristallnacht was the night of November 9th, 1938, and the Nazis were basically going around destroying synagogues, the windows of Jewish stores, and Jewish-owned businesses throughout Germany. And the event symbolized the new era of destruction, and the Nazis decided... We're not going to play nice anymore and not eat. And they weren't even playing nice in the first place, but we're going to get rougher. And they decided to be more focused on genocide and anti-Semitism. And that's also when concentration camps came into play. That's awful. Like, that's just, that's terrible. Yeah. And you can definitely tell that there was a propaganda influence. I know that Kristallnacht was started because of the assassination of German official Ernest von Rom. Mm-hmm. And apparently, he was killed a few days earlier by a 17-year-old Polish Jew who was angry because the German government had expelled all Polish Jews from Germany. And honestly, as he should, I mean, 
he was basically being kicked out of Germany because he was Polish and a Jew. Again, always, awful. Yeah, always I nice learn something new, and that's pretty crazy. Yeah, also, oh, I've got another fact for you. Ooh. Did you know that Germany had a minister of propaganda? Wow. Yeah, his name was Joseph Goebbels, and he managed pretty much anything that could pop, pump out propaganda. I mean, I think you know that there's an issue when a country has a whole minister of propaganda. Imagine your job is literally trying to brainwash people. Could not be me. I see you piling on the facts, and I mean, it's crazy that there, I mean, there are only a few special people out in the world that can even fathom how to brainwash people for a living. Yeah, and that special is, like, heavy quotations around that, too. Special. So. Yeah, special. So, speaking of brainwashing people and propaganda, didn't you tell me about a certain poster advertising... Hitler as like a savior or something. Yeah, I did actually. The poster is called Our Last Hope and it was used for presidential elections in 1932 and Nazi propagandists presented the Germans as like unemployed, weak, in need of a strong leader and the poster was like had a bunch of Germans showing they were like sad, in a bad place, poor, all of that stuff and it had Hitler's name next to it, next to our last hope, and basically it was portraying that they would be their savior during this great depression time that they were portraying. Okay, first of all, I don't know about you, but I'd be pretty irritated if I was being, um, you know, portrayed as unemployed and weak. Yeah. But, I mean, like, did it work? Unfortunately, yes, it did work, and Hitler was shown as the savior of the strong foundation, and people believed him. And even though that wasn't reality at all, he was quite the opposite people still believed him yeah that's gross it really is so going off what you said regarding propaganda and just this whole idea of using false advertising to convince a bunch of people to believe in one idea do you want to know what i personally think is one of great was one of great hitler's greatest weapons Ooh, what was it it was dermal praise indoctrinating youth aka brainwashing children lovely tell me more so Actually, I want to start off with a quote from Hitler that I think pretty much sums up what indoctrinating youth was and like the purpose of it. And that quote is, <clears throat> These boys and girls enter our organizations at 10 years of age and often for the first time get a little fresh air. After four years of the young folk, they go on to the Hitler youth, where we have them for another four years. And even if they are still not complete national socialists, they go to labor service and are smoothed out there for another six, seven months. And whatever class consciousness or social status might still be left, the German armed forces will take care of that. Adolf Hitler, 1938. Wow. Yeah, isn't that great? Yeah. He's basically saying that these kids need to hold a certain hold certain beliefs, or otherwise there's going to be consequences. And it didn't end there either. <laughs> Teachers were required to follow Nazi-approved curriculums, and journalists were uh, journal journalists had to have Nazi-approved. Um, articles and things to publish it was propaganda everywhere wow that's honestly a horrible thing and it's crazy to think like they're pretty much going to be thousands upon thousands millions upon millions of miniature hitlers like that is just a bad thought oh yeah that thought is absolutely terrifying and if you thought it couldn't get worse it most certainly does oh yay so even better in 1939 hitler youth became mandatory and a few years earlier in 1937 membership in the hitler youth consisted of 4.5 million people hitler youth aimed to produce self-sacrificing children willing to die for the farfar aka hitler and the fatherland this was essentially years of teaching children to hold nazi beliefs or otherwise face the consequences 
I mean, it's awful, but Hitler knew it was best to target the youth because they're much more impressionable. Mm. It's terrible, but unfortunately it worked. It's horrible and crazy at the same time that people were manipulated by propaganda so much that they were convinced horrible treatment toward Jews was okay, but it wasn't. And honestly, this the same thing for like youth being taught those things. Like I feel sorry for them. I feel scared for them. Like a society doesn't need one Hitler, let alone millions and millions of miniature ones. Ain't that the truth? Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, I ha- we have all this information. We've answered a lot of questions already, but there's still one unanswered question, the essential one. Dun dun dun. That was so ominous the way you said it. The essential one. <laughs> okay, so Cassidy, let's talk about it. Let's discuss. What role do economic systems and ideologies have in establishing and maintaining power and authority? Ready, set, go. While Hitler proposed his Nazi ideas through propaganda and pushed his ideologies on people to make sure that no other differing opinion was present, he used all methods necessary, ethical or not, mostly unethical. (laughs) Pretty much all unethical. Pretty much. He used very violent measures such as anti-Semitism, pogroms, encouraged riots, um, and he did it towards people like Jews, witnesses, the mentally and physically ill, etc. And, like, made sure if he didn't want someone in society, they would not be there. And that's how he maintained power for so long. I absolutely agree with you. He preyed on the desperation of the people and ended up financially devastating Germany after the world end, after the war ended, not the world. <laughs> At the time, he assumed power. Germany was struggling economically, and he used that to his advantage. That's how he was able to use propaganda to portray Germany as a vulnerable country that needed militarism and fascism to survive. So, shall we come to a conclusion? I think we've said all that needs to be said. I agree. I think we can both say that economic systems and ideologies, when they're being manipulated, are key to establishing and maintaining power and authority. Yes, I'm going to have the whole podcast in one sentence. If only it was that easy. And of course, this is our answer and opinion based on the research we conducted, but we would love to hear what you think and how you would answer this question. Definitely. All views are valid, and it's important to hear someone else's view on the topic, so it's not just us that have information and opinions on this. Well, thank you, Cassidy, for joining me today, and thank you all for listening. This has been History Lab with Cassidy and Maria. Tune in next time for our next podcast on the modern effects of anti-Semitism. Thanks for listening. Before we go today, before we go, let's hear today's closing quote, which is just a quote that we found that we think is something we should share with you, and that is, don't gain the world and lose your soul. Wisdom is better than silver or gold, which is Bob Marley. Thank you, guys, and see you next time.